to another episode of Power of Perspective, a podcast that brings you a variety of speakers to discuss topics of interest from different perspectives. I'm your host, Stephen. Today we have a captivating topic to explore, skincare and the beauty industry. Joining us is the incredible Larika, a renowned skin spirit expert and advocate for clean beauty. Larika, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Stephen. So you've been working in this industry for quite a long time now. Yeah, so I've been working in the industry for about 13 years. I've worked all over the world at different resorts and different uh, aspects of the industry. Uh, what drew you to the industry? Where did the interest come from? Funny story, as a kid I've always, always uh, liked the idea of making people feel better, feel better with touch. You know, my oldest memory is actually of me when I was sitting on the beach with my family and I gave uh, my grandmother impromptu uh, foot treatment by taking, collecting seaweed and putting it on her feet. She must have loved that. Uh, <laughs> I think I have pictures of it somewhere, but I think that's really where it started and realizing that the, the power of touch and that personal connection can really make people feel, you know, better um, and heartized and not just with, with mental health, but that feeling of being worthy and just uh, having a sense of better well-being. So I think that's, you know, ultimately what uh, made my decision to get into the industry. And how's the experience um, been now that you're quite a seasoned individual in the industry? You know, you don't get into this industry without uh, pitfalls, as all industries do have, but I don't think that I'd be doing it as long as I've been doing it if I didn't love it. So as many downs as there are, there are way more ups uh, for me personally. So, you know, that's why I could find that I'm still in the industry and still enjoying it. And so it's quite a sort of fast-changing and kind of exciting industry, but the thing about skincare is that you know, not everyone's that sort of aware of it. And it seems like also, particularly with the, the male demographic, but even some of the, the, the women is that um, talked about and in your childhood, maybe not introduced. I know for me, that was the case. It was something I totally forgot about. And later in life, I had certain insecurities through that, that I sort of worked through. I had to learn a lot. So, um, Luca, to get back to you, tell us uh, the industry itself. Like, what sort of technologies are we using, emerging trends, treatments? You know, what is out there for, for people to explore? So, the industry is, is quite a large industry, especially as um, technology um, develops as well. So, you get different sort of sections of the industry. You'll get the side of the industry where they're more focused on holistic treatments, body treatments, you know, the kind of just basically the touch, the most basic treatments, where they use mainly plant-based ingredients, vegan ingredients as such, not too technologically advanced, also focusing more on the therapist doing the work rather than actual the technology and then you obviously get the basic skincare where people use different products and enhancements to kind of better the skin and make the treatments a little bit more advanced but then you also get into the aesthetic side of things and that's when things get a little bit more medical and the aesthetic side of things can also actually then include doctors, surgeons, etc., etc. So there's many varying aspects of it. In terms of technology, there's a lot more facial machines out there than there have been, you know, when I was studying. 
There's definitely been a lot that I've had to learn after studying because so many new things have come up, new styles, new trends, new technologies are being developed every single day, different techniques that are applied to all technologies as well with the body. So it's quite a quite a vast, vast scope, you know, with skin specifically. People are using now things with needles, where blood is involved, whereas, you know, back when I was studying, that wasn't something that someone who studied what I, or what I studied would really be involved with in the skincare aspect. What would you say are sort of the big break breakthroughs that have come through the development in skincare? So, definitely the Dermapen. Uh, which is a brand name for microneedling. It's basically a treatment where you can choose whether or not to numb the skin. It's always advised because it can be a bit uncomfortable. And the process by where we actually create ch channels with a needle into the skin to then simulate collagen production, which is what helps support the structure of your skin. Sounds quite daunting. Is this a painless procedure? What, what is someone in for if they're going for this? So basically, um, they will definitely have a consult before they go. It will definitely be a conversation with the therapist. Definitely not something that is just decided upon on the day. Also, there are certain you know precautions that needed that need to be taken. In terms of painlessness, this is why we do opt to go for the numbing before the treatment. But some people find that they don't need it. It also varies on people's pain thresholds. You know, it is advised to use the numbing during the treatment, especially if you're having it on the face. Afterwards, what it will feel like is, uh, you know, once the numbing is worn off, a bit hot, red, um, you know, a bit like you had a really bad sunburn, but then the healing process begins and that's where you see the results. And what sort of other popular treatments that are sort of worth checking out and quite valuable? Well, absolutely dermaplaning. It's definitely something that I think is so underrated. And I think a lot of people misunderstand it because it looks so cool. Just to explain what dermaplaning is, dermaplaning is a treatment whereby we use a surgical type blade and we use that on the skin to remove the dead skin cells. That is the primary outcome and objective of doing the dermaplaning is to actually remove that layer of dead skin cells. It is better, a little bit more better for more sensitive skins as opposed to doing a chemical peel where it then re removes that first layer of dead skin cells with the added benefit that it removes the what people call peach fuzz or the fluff on the hair. So a lot of people think that it's the treatment is to remove the hair, where actually it is to remove the layer of dead skin cells, which will be, which is equivalent to a peel. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic treatment to do, especially if people are a bit weary of peels and a bit um, scared of it. It's very much geared more towards women, but men can do this treatment as well. You mentioned uh, sort of chemical peels. I believe that's quite a sort of popular um, one that people go for. What, what does that look like? It is more and more popular, you know, especially in our in our industry. And a lot of the time people hear chemical peel and they think of when you have in the movies where people are bandaged up and they're burned red and raw. Those are not the kind of peels that skin therapists do. Yes. We can do very advanced peels where you will be left snake skin peeling for eight days. But the kind of peels that you would need to have the skin bandage for is the kind of peels that doctors do, and that's actually more laser. So chemical peels are becoming a lot more and more popular in this industry. It's fantastic 
for a lot of different um, skin um, concerns and skin types, um, as well to actually help um, improve the skin at a faster rate. And, um, you know, you've, you've worked in it at um, for a company for a while, and you've actually sort of started your own company now. Yes. Uh, yeah, so tell us about that. I mean, that's quite a big move, right? That, that must be exciting. Kind of what, what led you to this? So I just found that, you know, the industry, as you, as you mentioned in the beginning um, of this chat, that, you know, this, this industry has rapidly changed. When I studied, you know, we were always told that, yes, retail um, and selling products can be part of it, but the actual personal touch and the treatments that you do, um, that is going to be more value. And as the years have gone on, I've just found that a lot of the therapists that are coming out of, you know, the colleges and the studying institutes nowadays, they are all about, they think they're going to make a lot of money. Um, they're just pushing which if ever new product is out there to make the most money, whether it be expensive, whether the client needs it or not. And I found that working for another company, I didn't really have control of what was best for the client because sometimes you know there's protocols and doing things but there are other ways to do things that can fit within the protocol that will be better for the client there is alternatives that you can offer the client that will both help the client's skin overall well-being as well as their pocket and have them coming back to you because they create a connect you create a connection with this person and it's not something that's going to be fixed overnight. It's something that's going to take a while. So I just found that there was really this gap of treating someone as a whole person and their whole well-being. Because yes, treating skin and yes, treating the person's body and adding products and things like that is important. But at the end of the day, the work that needs to be done doesn't always have to have a big uh, dollar sign at the end of it. Yeah, the evils of capitalism finds its roots everywhere, unfortunately. Absolutely, so... And it means, like, typical consumer has to be a lot lot more alert with, you know, what to approach and what information and who the experts really are. And so, with your kind of... It sounds like you're quite invested in the sort of the outcomes for the client. Maybe it's quite rewarding for you. Absolutely. It's absolutely rewarding for me. You know, I got into this industry more for the well-being of the client. And in my way, you know, it's a type of therapy. You know, that's why it's called beauty therapy, you know, or, uh, you know, you're a spa therapist because you are really doing some form of therapy, doing work with a person. And a person's confidence is very much linked to their skin concerns, their body concerns, as well as their um, mental health. So I think it is important to really gauge all of those things within the scope of the industry and see what you can actually offer the offer the client to help improve it, even if it's just a little bit. But that's kind of what I aim to do is to focus on the well-being of the client, help them reach their goals, whether they're willing to do it faster or a slower process is better for them, whatever is going to help them achieve their goals in their own time, and obviously forming that relationship of trust and making sure that that person's well-being is taken care of at the same time. And, you know, it's not just maybe the people selling the products, but the products themselves um, have incentive to make money. And there's, you know, the power of marketing and advertising is, is quite influential in society, right? Um, yeah, and so, you know, what, what should the consumer look out for? Is it, a, you know, honest aid sort of approach, that the, or is there a lot of little secret things that you should watch out for? What does that look like? 
So absolutely. Now, nowadays there is so many different things out there where do you even begin. Sometimes I even look at the overwhelming amount of things and, you know, if someone asks me a question, I can't just be able to give them the answer right away. I kind of need to say, I need to look at the back of this product. I need to do a little bit more research. Where's the origin? What technologies are they using? Because the industry has grown so much that nowadays sometimes the name brands is what's making the price tag so high and not so much the quality of the product or what it's going to do for your skin. I mean, I know some products that used to be, you know, at the forefront of the industry and now because they carry such a great name, they carry a high price tag. However, the efficacy of the product is nowhere near what it used to be, but they can still carry the name so people trust in the name rather than realizing that the product is not as good as what it used to be. I would definitely say if there's something that you can look out for, if someone is, if a brand is advertising a specific active ingredient or an ingredient that is apparently this miracle ingredient, if you look on the back of the bottle, if it's below the water and the fragrance, you need to know that the amount of active ingredient in that product is so little, you're going to need to use that entire bottle on your face to even get a small amount of that active ingredient to work. Which is why a lot of people get confused where they say, well, this one is so expensive and this one is cheap, but they've got the same ingredient. If you look on the back, you'll see the height in where the actual active ingredient is is so different. And that's because of the concentration of the actual active ingredient, which makes it work on the skin. Yeah, and I found that crazy myself, sort of looking into buying certain products. And you're like, oh, there's just one. And then it's like, there's a whole bunch and there's different price ranges. You know, it's it's quite confusing to actually know what to buy. That was quite a challenge for me. You know, it's and this shows it's the product, it's the industry, and then it's the the people using the product that has an impact on sort of the consumer perceptions, right? Social media, that's big. You know, you got skin influencers and all sorts of popular things that people follow. What should people think of that? Um, should be people be wary? Where's the good? I think definitely trade carefully. There are a couple of really, really, really amazing skin influencers that actually have degrees behind their name. They've done their research into it. There are, you know, estheticians, aesthetic therapists, wellness therapists themselves. So they know what they're talking about. And they, you will see, they will, they will definitely, you'll, you'll know the difference. You can definitely see that they know what they're talking about. They'll explain why they're using what they're doing, what the benefits are. Whereas sometimes people, especially very popular influencers, are jumping on the skincare trend or, you know, beauty trends and beauty hacks, and they think they know everything. Whereas it actually can be incredibly damaging for different skins. Just because it works yeah. for the influencer doesn't always mean that it's going to work for everyone else. And I think that's a very big danger. So it, people really do need to be really careful about are people being sponsored to promote this product? How long have they been using it? Are they actually using it? Because sometimes they're not really using it. They just talk about it and pretend that they are, but they're not. And how much knowledge do they actually know and history and background do they have into this? But always do your own research because what's going to work for one person is not going to work for another. If you're interested in something, you know, and you do visit a skincare therapist, always ask your skincare therapist. And if it's a good therapist, they'll be happy to give you the honest 
advice on that product? Who to see? This is one thing, right? Who should you approach? And when, in what use case should you approach? You know, there's different types of professionals as a, a novice on the topic. Like, I, I don't know where to go. People generally go to maybe a dermatologist because that's well known. But there's a lot of things out there, right? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of things out there. But what I would say, it all just depends on what you want to achieve. If you're really worried about something and you think it is quite serious when it comes to things like moles or certain marks and things like that, then definitely a dermatologist 100% that's where you should go. If you are looking more towards getting things like scarring treated, you're getting a lot of advanced anti-aging treatments and you really want to do more advanced treatments, as an aesthetic therapist is something that you would want to see. If you just want to maintain your healthy skin or get an opinion on what the way forward is, you, you feel like it's not the biggest problem, but it is something you want to take care of, go and visit your nearest skincare specialist, whether it be at a regular spa that offers facials. Usually they do offer a skin consult, where what they will do is they will have a full look at the skin, chat to you about what your concerns are, and kind of make a plan forward for you and give you some suggestions. You mentioned sort of anti-aging. That, that's um, a hot topic, right? Everyone's uh, chasing the fountain of youth. So we all like our, our, our looks and it's a little sad when you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, 30 or what, you know, whatever decade you're on. Is there value in what the industry offers to deal with that? Or is it just, you know, um, maybe just change your internal perspective? Or what do you think? I think it's a bit of both. We are always going to age. That is a factor. We cannot change that. Although there are people who are trying and when they achieve that, I promise you, we will all know about it. But uh, <laughs> There are some celebrities seem to look forever, right? They always look young. <laughs> well, they look young because they have really great aesthetic therapists. They do things like Botox. They have regular aesthetic treatments. They have regular beauty treatments. And they have the time and money to constantly spend on themselves because it's their job. Let's face it, they wouldn't make the money if they didn't take care of themselves in that way. But there is something to say about aging smartly and aging gracefully. You can definitely manage the aging to age a little bit better and age a little bit slower and look better for your age within this industry. But there's no way that you can absolutely stop it altogether, unless you want to get a facelift. So there's the, the personal capacity, what you can do in your lifestyle, and then these, the more broader, what the industry can offer you. Which do you think, is there a balance of this that one should achieve? What are the initial steps one can take? So the first thing is always wear good sunscreen. Because I can guarantee you, no matter what steps you take, that is always going to be at the forefront of anything. What I would suggest is you really need to decide, are you happy with the rate that you're aging? If you are, great. If you want to maintain that, I would definitely do invest in a good skincare range that you're comfortable with paying for and that you're able to maintain. Treatments, absolutely, go for treatments, but remember that if you're not doing the work at home, uh, the treatments aren't going to help you at all. <laughs> but definitely, if you are wanting to do more advanced things, just know that it is going to be a bigger investment. And when it comes to more advanced treatments, 
know that it is going to have to be quite a few in order to see the results that you want. It doesn't happen overnight. All things when it comes to skin, aging, or any skin concern, it's not going to happen overnight. It is a process. So definitely the steps to take is always wear sunscreen, (laughs) no matter what, even indoors. Then, you know, the steps that you can take is do some research, you know, find a place that you're happy to try out. Even if you have to shop around with someone that you're comfortable with, that's totally fine. A lot of places do offer skin consults for free or for a minimal fee. That's definitely one of the first steps after wearing sunscreen. Then obviously from there you can decide whether you want to do advanced treatments or whether you want to do more basic treatments. But either way, you are going to have to look at getting some sort of whether very simple or super complicated, that is your choice, skincare regime to use at home because you cannot have the one without the other. In its own way, sort of holistic sort of solutions we look for. Products itself, there's um, there's a lot of steps there, right? Not anyone can release something, you know. Yeah, it has to be researched. There has to be sort of a scientific backing. And some people might be concerned of how much like hardcore science backs these things. Or is it just word of mouth or just common perception? The beauty industry itself has sometimes created broad sort of beliefs around sort of skin. And those at later points become sort of false, right, you know, when there's a common belief in something, anything can sort of become <laughs> commonly thought true, right? Oh, absolutely. A lot of people think that uh, eating chocolate gives you pimples. It's not eating the chocolate that gives you pimples, it's the sugar in the chocolate. It gives off a whole reaction with your body and within your own skin that then causes something like that. It's not the actual chocolate. That's just an example, but there is many of these things that people believe within this industry that maybe in the beginning of this industry, things like that was true, but we have evolved. So those, so too have those things. What, what sort of things do, do people commonly get wrong? So a lot of the time people get wrong. They say that their skins are incredibly dry all of the time. But there is a massive difference between having a dry skin and having a skin that is dehydrated. Having a dry skin is something that you're born with. It's not really something that you can change. It's partly due, partly, very partly due to your genetics. And that is something that you're going to deal with for the rest of your life. Whereas dehydration is a skin concern. That is something that you can address and you can completely alleviate. That's got something to do with your environment, with your diet, with the products that you're using. And that is something that a skincare expert and you, you yourself at home can actually work on. Whereas having dry skin, that's something that you can maintain, but you're never going to be able to take it away completely because that's something you're born with. And on the, the dry skin, you know, um, I find it interesting with even shampoo, like this idea of everyone's got a dry scalp that needs to be treated in modern times is also misleading. Individual sort of biology, you know, differs from other people. And, you know, whether you need that sort of change in the environment you're creating, because, you know, these sort of things are, um, skin's an environment, right, that you're taking care of, like a little ecosystem. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Skin is definitely its own ecosystem. It's also the largest organ, living organ in the body. It's what protects us without it we uh, would surely die you know in terms of it's very interesting that you say people think that a dry scalp people need to treat it and moisturize it what people don't realize is sometimes they see something like dandruff and they think oh it's a dry scalp but unless you're a skin expert or you've looked you've seen this condition before it could possibly be that the flakes are quite oily so then, you know, treating the scalp per se, which is also skin, with a moisturizer is not what you actually want to do. There are other things that you need to do. If it's red, if it's irritated, and that's what's called, it's causing the flakiness, 
that's what you need to address. Not just chonking something on because, or coconut oil on because you heard it's really good for your hair. It's not a fix-all for everything. If you seriously have a problem, it's always better to ask an expert. A common thing I notice is that people will have head and shoulders anti-dandruff shampoo. You ask them, have you ever had dandruff? No, but it's what people buy, right? People aren't informed and there's just, they're kind of like, that's the thing you buy. Absolutely, they buy it and they think, oh, well, even if I'm going to get dandruff, it's going to take it away. Your hair, your skin, all of that changes every single day. It's important to know that sometimes by using something unnecessarily, it can cause the problem that you're actually trying to prevent. A cruel uh, irony in itself, right? And so, are they well-behaved in the developed products? Things tried and tested, do things um, get through the cracks that shouldn't? Is it safe and reliable what you're getting? A lot of the time, what you do get is safe and reliable. There are also different levels of efficacy that is being used, you know, on the skin. Of course, we have to cater to everybody. So there are always going to be, you know, for example, just going back to the thing with the hair, of there's the shop bought products that is just sort of for the general public. And then you can go to the salon and have something specifically prescribed for your specific hair that's going to work for your skin and that's formulated at a different way to behave differently and react differently. You mentioned as a, as a product coconut oil, what, what, are natural, what are your thoughts on natural remedies and uh, solutions to solving common sort of skin issues? Is there value in that? There's absolutely value in that. I do believe that myself in my business, I do use mostly vegan products actually. Most of it is plant-based. Now I know and I do explain to my clients that this does mean that the results they want to achieve, it might take them a little bit longer to get that because it is plant-based. So the skin needs to take time to assimilate it and actually accept the ingredients, but it can absolutely work. However, it's the concentration of the ingredients, how it's put together, the delivery system of how the skin eventually accepts it, whether that's put together with technology or they just crushed up an aloe plant, put it in a bottle and said, there you go. That's not always going to work. So the products themselves, is there any like big ones to look out for in terms of benefits, like the tried and tested things that or just revolutionary things and contrastingly, things that are like enemy number one, like avoid that one. So retinol is a very old tried and tested agree to go for it's very good overall because it's great for anti-aging it's great for skin skin renewal in general also helps with um, acne in certain cases as well um niacinamide is also absolutely amazing i love it i use it every single day any type of good hyaluronic acid is also going to really work so those two are the top three you will see that it is everywhere so definitely yeah. look at the concentration and it needs to be within the first three ingredients so that it's a really good concentration and uh, any brands you recommend so there are definitely brands that i would recommend there is the image skincare brand that's really really good Lamal is also very, very good. Uh, Derma TX range is amazing, and Korean beauty products are also fantastic. 
Now the, um, the big culprits. What, big is, culprits. It, is there anyone just avoid like the plague or just like totally misconceptions around easy traps to fall in, right? So definitely coconut oil. <laughs> <laughs> it has its uses, but it is not a cleanser. Doesn't coconut oil solve everything though? <laughs> I've so many nowadays, stories, coconut right? Oil, uh, you know, I think it's a miracle product, right? You see all those experts and stuff. Yeah, no, no, coconut oil is um, excellent as a base, but just on its own, you know, especially the shop-bought ones, it's not going to get your skincare. I do actually also think, you know, unless you're actually specifically dealing with a dermatologist, the ingredient hydroquinone, you really need to be careful with that one. What it basically does is it changes the pigment in the skin. But the problem with it is that it actually removes all the pigment. So then from then, you, it will discolor the skin into a white pigment and take the pigment away completely, which means that your skin cannot protect itself anymore. And you're obviously left with this white marks. Those are the two big ones. Everything in moderation. Just be wary of things. If you don't know about it, do your research about it. Or ask us an expert. Like yourself. You know, me growing up, I, I struggled with a lot of skin issues and attached to that is sort of the bullying and those sort of things. You know, that's quite a challenging thing. The typical sort of treatment for people, at, I've noticed, Rakuten. What are your thoughts about that? That was just like, grab that, do it, it solves everything, 99% success rate. But a lot, I think a lot of people have just um, given that. It's quite aggressive treatment, isn't it? And uh, what, what are your thoughts there, right? I do believe that Rakuten, you know, goes by lots of different names. It goes by Rakuten, it goes by Accutane, it goes by Oritane, Isotretinoin. It is incredibly aggressive. There is a place for it. There really what, is. what is it essentially? It's basically a really strong exfoliant that works from the inside out. So you take it orally and basically it continually renews the skin cells over and over and over. Which is also why you find that people who are on this, they get quite easily sign sensitive, they get easily flushed, they get dry and cracked skins. Yeah. Okay, the reason why is because it's essentially thinning the skin out in order to prevent the continuous buildup of, and obviously also reducing the amount of oil production so that the oil production and the dead skin cells don't really combine together in order to create that breakout. So, so what do you, really, do you recommend it? And in what sort of use cases is it sort of applicable, I suppose? <laughs> well, this is a very controversial uh, thing because I think a lot of the time skincare therapists bash heads with dermatologists when it comes to this topic because dermatologists will give it to you. You know, I feel anybody and everyone, even for a small problem that could be solved by a good skincare routine and a lot less um, aggressive treatments. Whereas there are cases where people have massive inflammatory acne that really there is no other solution but to use something like Reactitan. If it is a smaller problem that you're dealing with, always first go to a skincare therapist. A skincare therapist will refer you to a dermatologist and say you may need to go on Reactitan but get go to a dermatologist first if they know they cannot treat it because we can only treat certain levels of breakouts and acne then after that we can't can no longer do that there is nothing that we have in our toolbox that can do it and in that case loratitan fantastic yeah. it, 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 it works wonders but the issue always come with a warning label because i feel like 
dermatologists kind of just give out the prescription and they don't tell the families or even the patient the dangers of it. First of all, you shouldn't actually be going into the sun because your skin is so sun sensitive it can cause what we call post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, so dark marks and spots, uneven skin, uneven skin tone. It can cause massive mental issues as well in terms of suicidal thoughts. It can cause um, depression. As well, you know, they need to make sure that they are nourishing their skin with an emollient or an oil-based substance to prevent that dryness, you know. And they still need to have skincare. They still need to have skincare. And sunscreen is even more important then. But it does have its place. I do, however, think that always try the less aggressive steps first. And if that doesn't work, then that will be the step. Do you think uh, Western media has um, created problematic things around skin? I mean, in movies, you often see sort of the perfect skin and and skins of certain shades and uh, that sort of thing. I was just wondering if you had sort of an opinion on that. I have to laugh at that because, <laughs> you know, I think it depends who looks at the skin because I yes, see yes. a lot of the time when I'm watching a show or something and I always point out, mm, that one's got pimples underneath that load of makeup or <laughs> I can see that this is, there's something wrong with, not right with the skin or this person needs, you know, this because obviously I look at skins every single day. I know what to look out for. Yeah. However, the media does seem to make it look as if everybody just has perfect skin. No, don't our skin changes every day. And what we consider pretty normal skin, the media won't, especially, you know, everybody, most people have blackheads on their noses. Most people have larger pores on their noses than the rest of their face. That's pretty normal. Obviously, if you are insecure about it or you feel like they're really, really big, there's things that we can do to minimize it, but it's actually pretty normal, you know. Also, it's pretty normal to have breakouts from time to time. It doesn't mean that you have to immediately go on Rakitan or that you have bad skin or, or, overall, but the media does make it seem that you have to have that flawless skin and that if you don't have the flawless skin, you should wear makeup to cover it up. And I don't agree with that. Acne itself, very broadly appearing thing, right? Which is quite a, quite a common thing yeah, in childhood and even in adults, even if lesser so. And obviously at teens, it's quite an outbreak. Maybe tell us about it. Teenagers definitely go through that. Got a lot to do with the hormones. Like what essentially causes it? And you, you mentioned outbreaks. And, yeah. Yes, yes. So you will always notice that teenagers get it just when they go through puberty. That's sort of where it kind of um, flares up the most and then it kind of settles down after a while. And obviously it depends. A lot of people say that boys and skincare experts say that boys tend to have it a little bit worse. But I find just in my experience, it's because not only are they going through the, this, this puberty, but they also don't have the motivation to actually take care of their skin in terms of washing it properly, etc., etc. You know, use their dirty hands, wipe the sweat off, and there's breakouts there, whichever. You know, a lot of people say that it's a, only a cleanliness issue. I think in most cases, it's hormonal, but some cases, depending on how the cleanliness, how clean you are being, and whether you actually taking care of your skin does have a factor. And then as you move on older, you'll find that a lot of people that have adult acne is 100% connected to hormones and mainly found in women. And women who have hormonal issues will most likely have those breakouts. Yeah, and how do you treat that? 
It is incredibly difficult, but there is a way to treat it. Obviously, a lot of women would be on other treatments for their hormonal issues, but there are clinical pills to, um, you know, dermaplaning, facial products, things like that, that people can do to can manage it from the outside in, and that's what, what skincare therapists do. Do you think there's sort of of an imbalance in the type of people you see coming in common sort of um belief or or occurrence where you don't see that many men taking proactive steps do you think um there is an imbalance do you think men are doing enough to take care of their skin because there's perceptions around that well you're a guy why would why would you do that you know that's that's for the woman you know like like what, what do you think? There's obviously quite a dynamic there. I would agree with you there, but I also think it's definitely what's taught. You know, when I, way back when I studied and when I first started working in the industry, if a man had to come for anything except a massage, you know, they would be looked at a bit strange. I don't think that that should be the case. We all have skin. Men have skin, women have skin. It needs to be treated if there's a concern. You know, it needs to be taken care of. And if anything, men are the best clients because if you tell them, please use this and that, they don't ask too many questions and they just say, yes, okay, I'll listen to what you say. Uh, Whereas women tend to be a lot more inquisitive and they ask so many questions, which is fantastic. It's great to know what you're getting yourself into and what what you're using on your skin. But sometimes it comes to a point where they feel like they know more than the expert and they try and contradict the expert instead of just accepting what what's being said i would definitely like to see a lot more men coming for even just pampering treatments or treatments for their skin for their hands for their feet you know but i must say that over the years that i have been in this industry i have seen a lot more men coming for treatments like that and i'm so happy to see that i just feel like the stigma definitely needs to end i do find if mothers have taken their sons to go and get their skin sorted out you know when they were younger they are much more open to having treatments going on their own and they have a much healthier outlook on taking care of themselves and their skin and going to a skincare therapist get self besides that like diagram you see sometimes on commercials where they you know you see the different layers and stuff people don't really i think know as much as they they should as just a kind of a beginner intro into skin and um, the organ itself, give a bit of insight just for sort of a beginner. Also, there's a few things that you can do. You know, you just also need to know there's three types of skin that you have on your body. I will use some analogies that's going to make it much easier for you to remember. Your skin is made from the same substance as your hair and your nails. Okay, you have your different types of skin. On the body, you've got the toughest skin. So let's just, you know, that's the skin that's the, the thicker skin. Um, so let's just say that we can compare that to cardboard. Cardboard, you know, can take a little bit more damage out there in the elements than um, other, other um, uh, types of paper. And then you get to obviously the skin on the face and the neck, which is like paper. Can take slight bit of damage, but, you know, it is pretty... Uh, delicate and then obviously you get the under eye area or around the eye area which is like tissues which is even more delicate so if you compare those three that's more or less the types uh, of roughness you're looking at the skin which is just an indication of what you do on your body you can't always do on your face and what you do on your face is not always going to work for under the eye area for the simple fact that it can handle 
only so much in the different areas. Also with skin, you know, you get the three main um, you know, types of skin, and these are things that you are born with. So you will have the normal type of skin, which is actually not as common as people think. So I'm not quite sure why they decided to call it normal, but there we have it. Then you have the oily skin, and then you have the dry skin. So those are the three main ones. And within that, you know, each three, each of the three also have their own sort of range, whether in the oily, you can get slightly oily to excessively oily, or dry, with the dry skin, you can get normal to dry to excessively dry, and that will be psoriasis, eczema, be more extensive skin um, issues. And so you, you mentioned eczema. What's that? Because that that's quite a challenging one. Like uh, I know there was someone in school who had it, and it's it has quite a sort of an appearance, and I think it's quite sort of brutal on someone to to sort of deal with. It's very brutal. It is also a skin condition that's incredibly hard to treat. There is also part of it that's also genetic as well. So likeliness that someone in the family has had it as well, and it's also a stress response. Basically what happens is the cell turnover is quite fast, which basically means that there is a lot of dry, rough skin that is building up on top of each other and there isn't enough time for it actually to slough off or fall. So what happens is it creates dry, inflamed, itchy areas on the skin, which then also appear flaky. So there's this oily, well, on the spe- end of the spectrums, oily and then dry skin. What are the sort of common sort of issues and um, maybe reasons people come in for comparing less? Maybe start with dry skin. What type of things, issues may arise and then, you know, transition to sort of more oily skin? So a lot of the times people with dry skin, they find that their skin is quite dull. They find that there is no life in their skin. Then you also find that when they're um, applying other products, you know, they can sort of see the lines on their face a lot easier which is typical of dry skins. You do see aging faster in dry skins because there is that lack of oil in the skin. So, you know, people who have dry skins, they will more typically come for the anti-aging, for hydrating and plumping the skin to have that kind of glow and radiance. That is usually what people with dry skins are typically looking for. Whereas people with oily skins, you do find that they have problems with excessive oiliness, they feel like, you know, um, their skin is quite greasy, they feel quite thick. They also have a lot more issues with breakouts in terms of the heavier fascia, more um, inflamed kind of um, treatments, and they usually go for treatments that are going to be resurfacing, renewing, and also just calming, and obviously clearing out and, and, and deep cleansing. The next step, if you've got an issue, right, is to see an expert and often you'll be sort of prescribed a skincare regime, right? Various products doing various things and there's often an order to apply them. Any advice and um, maybe insight into building one of those and the different sort of steps they may have? I would definitely say don't do more than what you're comfortable with. Number one. Always have a sunscreen. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I will never fall. <laughs> At least I got that one right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always have a sunscreen. So, you know, in the simplest terms, what you need is a cleanser. What you need is a moisturizer and an SPF. You know, that is the simplest that you're ever going to get. 
And that's if you have a generally very healthy skin, you don't really have any concerns, and you just want to keep your skin at the state that it is in. You do obviously, as you get older, or if you have certain skin concerns, need to add in more things. You know, for example, if you have dry skin or if you even have acne skin, exfoliation is always good to add in. You know, and then you get other things like eye treatments and masks, etc., etc. Et so it's really up to you how complicated you want to get. But the simplest you could do is get a good cleanser, have a fantastic sunscreen and a moisturizer. So let's actually go through some of those, those concepts, right? Um, I think people get the idea right here. Well, for instance, um, cleansing, moisturizing, exfoliation. Those sort of big keywords and things that would appear in a skincare regime. And so, so what are those? So in terms of biologically, what is happening there? So with cleansing, a lot of most cleansers are designed to remove any excess dirt and debris, debris off the skin preparing the skin for the next step. Also just, you know, removing the day from the skin, let's just put it that way. You know, um, removing any excess dead skin cells that are floating around because we do naturally shed dead skin cells. Also just removing, you know, as I say, the oil, sweat, that kind of thing. And it's to prepare it for the next step. Usually what then comes next in those three that you mentioned is an exfoliation. Now exfoliation is designed to be Increasing the cell turnover of the dead skin cells and removing stubborn dead skin cells that are sitting on the skin and that may cause problems. It also just helps to enhance the acceleration of that, you know, cell turnover, meaning that the dead skin cells come off faster so that the baby cells get to the top of the skin. It's more plump, it's more radiant. Yeah, and this interesting sort of concept of this peels, right, is that the skin has layers, and as you move an outer layer, it will encourage the layer sort of cell growth, right? I mean, yeah. So the simplest way that I find to actually um, describe it is to use the, the analogy of a grape. Okay, so you can just imagine a nice big juicy grape. Yeah. But now it's also important to know that the top layer of the skin is usually dead. You know, it, it needs to come off at some point. But right at the bottom layer of the skin, there's this big, fat, juicy grape. And now I'm using this analogy to, to the skin cells. So this big, fat, juicy grape goes through the journey of reaching the top layer. Now, when we're younger, this happens very quickly. So the juicy, big grape starts off, and by the time it gets to the top layer, it's still a juicy, big grape. As we get older, this process slows down. So the juicy big grape is still kind of a juicy big grape, but it's not as plump as what it used to be. And, you know, as we get older and older, that slows down and slows down. So eventually what happens is that juicy big grape starts off this beautiful baby cell, but by the time it gets to the top, it's like a dried up grape. So now by increasing the cell turnover, basically what you're doing is you are making that process faster. You're helping it along because your body can't naturally do that anymore as we get older. So you're helping it along by making the cell turnover go faster and faster and thereby making sure that the big juicy grape gets to the top and it's not a dried out raisin by the time it gets there. 
Beautiful metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, moisturizing, um, that's, uh, for me, that is an interesting one because people just uh, assume that's just a thing everyone needs to do as a, just a, well, you know, I've checked a box, um, I'm happy, it, it did a thing, uh, my skin should improve, but there's more to it though, right? There's so much more to it, especially with different skincare um, problems and ailments. You know, if you have a perfectly healthy skin, fine, don't use a moisturizer. Nobody has in this world a perfectly healthy skin anyway. It's because due to environmental factors, what we eat, you know, what we do to our skins as well, all of that. When you're using, for example, an exfoliator, you are slightly stripping the skin to enhance the radiance. But then what you actually need is you need to put another layer of the skin to protect it and kind of feed it yes. almost to help um, improve it. So a lot of the time people also have what we call an impaired barrier. So there's little micro cracks that are invisible to the eye on the skin. And in order for this to actually fix itself, you need what, what, what we call a little layer over it, which is why we actually need to moisturize. And a lot of the time, people with very oily skins tend to under-moisturize. And people with very dry skins tend to over-moisturize. And a lot of the time, they are using the wrong type of moisturizer. For example, someone with a more oilier skin, they would want to use something with the words hydrate in it because it's got a more water-based. They've got enough oil content in their skin. It's more water-based. They're feeding their skin in a way that their skin naturally can't. Whereas someone with a drier skin, they want to nourish their skin, meaning putting more oil onto the skin and yeah. feeding that part of the skin. It is a balance, but moisturizing overall is very important. And um, another thing that's important is um, diet, right? Diet does play quite a, quite a big role um, in the skin as well. People do underestimate as well. If you have a very unhealthy diet, of course your skin is going to show on your skin. It's all about that gut health, and a lot of people talk about it, but your gut health says a lot in a lot of other parts of your body, as also with your skin. Whether it be the skin on the backs of your legs, the skin on the backs of your arms, or the skin on your face, or in your scalp, it's going to show somehow. What, what sort of um, problematic eating patterns particularly cause issues? Um, the typical, oh, you eat a chocolate. Boom, acne. Yeah, maybe go into just different types of uh, effects that certain foods will have on you. Definitely sugar is a bit of a problem. Obviously, anything in excess is a bit of a problem, you know. For example, if you drink too many, too much carrot juice, your skin will turn orange. Yeah. It will happen. You know, obviously you'd have to drink an excessive amount to get that, but... And then you get elected as a politician, don't you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> then you get elected as a politician and you have a very wispy white hair but uh, <laughs> you know i'm not into politics but you know sugar is um, quite bad it's also bad not just for the body for the skin as well and that will cause um more breakouts or unhealthier signs also if you lot eat a lot of greasy foods that's also and they're gonna affect the skin and it doesn't necessarily mean that the skin is going to be excessively greasy just other problems will arise like bumps and things like that will appear on the skin. You know, if you eat certain foods that are specifically acidic, that's also going to show up as well. So there's th these are uh, different skincare products at different price ranges. Is there 
barriers to entry that are, and how do you work around those as a consumer? I think that is incredibly difficult. You know, it's just something that I have been exposed to over the many years that as much as I would love to have all of my clients on a salmon range, yeah. it is not affordable for everyone. So I will always go for the lesser evil, which I believe. I always try not to do store-bought or off-the-shelf things because they put a lot of unhealthy stuff in there to make up the most of the product, which is why it is so quote-unquote affordable. I will really discourage someone if they have a serious problem with their skin to do that. There are affordable ranges out there. The thing is, to deal with a skincare problem, it is an investment and it can work. You don't have to buy all of the products at once. You can buy one and then another and then another. But if you really, really cannot afford it, there is other alternatives for you. Of course, I would try not my best not to recommend that. But if I had to, I personally would, you know, because the benefit of my clients is there more than anything. With a higher range price treatments, a lot of the times, either it's the brand name that has got the high price tag or it is because of the concentration of the ingredients in the product the delivery system of the product and how well it's going to be effective on your skin and help you reach out when you say delivery systems so what are these <laughs> so delivery systems of products um, comes down to the size of the one because our skin has this amazing fin has this amazing barrier which filters out things that should not be coming into the skin. For example, let's say the collagen molecule. That molecule is quite large and it cannot penetrate through the skin. So what happens is it sits on top. Yeah. But collagen is a massive anti-aging ingredient in most products. Now what makes that different to a lower priced collagen and the higher priced collagen is more likely that the higher priced collagen has developed technology to micro-encapsulize this molecule. So they make it a lot smaller, the skin can then accept it, and then it expands once the skin is accepted. Just as a small example to put it in the smallest terms. So there's lots of different technologies that work similarly like that, but in many different ways, that then the ingredients actually work at the rate it's supposed to, instead of being super watered down by the time it actually gets to the origin of causing it to work. As someone who's gone through the process of becoming a well sort of um, qualified and experienced person in the industry, people who are trying to get into that, what can you sort of um, wisdom from your journey? Can you stir? Like, uh, where should you go? Like, how, how is that for you? Ultimately, you need to have passion for people and you need to have passion for what you're doing. Because if you think it's just something easy that you're going to study, and it's just putting creams on people's faces and painting nails. It's not, it's the furthest thing from the truth. You really have to be dedicated and you gotta be a tough cookie. Yeah. Always be wanting to learn because you never, ever, ever stop learning in this industry. In your time working here, there's a lot of people, so there's gonna be sort of stories that develop. Yeah. Do you have any um, favorite little stories you can share with us? I think, you know, some of the journeys that I've been through with people have been pretty amazing, you know, especially in terms of overall well being. You know, I've had a couple of clients that I've worked with for a really long time and I not only take care of their body well being, but also their skincare well being. And the difference I have to say from when I met them and from today 
I would say the massive change in them. It's been so good that it makes me feel really, really good and so amazing, you know. Um, just thinking of a story about how one of my clients said to me that when she first brought her daughter to me, she didn't know if her daughter was going to listen to anything that I've done. Seeing that change in her daughter and how her daughter is becoming a woman, growing into herself and taking care of herself and the change in her skin from the work that she's done and the work that I've done together has been really amazing. It's about passion for people. It's about being passionate about your work and having pride in what you do and doing it to the best of your ability. So I think stories like that for me is very personal and it, it might not sound like it to you from the outside, but seeing those kind of changes in my clients has been some of the things I've definitely kept with me. There have been some ridiculous stories as well. You know, I once had a client, not a regular client, and I, I will never forget this because I was so frustrated that I, I, I didn't know what to actually do at the end yeah. of the day because I knew that this woman was really testing my knowledge and my patience. At that stage, I was working at a resort, which has sun most of the year. Like, you don't go to that resort if you're not planning on being by the poolside or going to the beach. So I would never expect someone to have, who has just had a series of intense chemical peels to come to a place like this. However, this, this woman did decide to do this, and she decided to book in for a massage. Now, it's also winter, so even though it is, it's winter, the air is chilly, but the sun is still out in that area. Now, obviously, it is our protocol at the resort. When, you know, you're doing massages, you've got the heated blanket on, etc., etc. You know, I was very astounded when this woman said to me, this is too hot, this bed is too hot. And I was just not under. I was trying to think, yes, but why is it a problem? I said, are you getting too hot? She said, no, 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 no. I've had a series of chemical peels and I can't get hot. Now I'm trying to think of the knowledge that I know. I understand that heat's a factor, etc., etc. But if you're getting freezing cold and an electric blanket is on there to heat you up, it's not going to affect the chemical peel. Yeah. And by that stage, the worst part is over with. You know, she even wore a hat and put that on top, you know, and I had her over the course of three days and every day would get more ridiculous. You know, then the <laughs> yeah. next day she would come and say, oh no, the sun is shining in this room. I can't, I can't be on this bed. So the day we quite prepared, made sure the hot bed wasn't on her. No, 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 there's too much sun there. I need to go to the other bed. No, 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 but this other bed is, is warm. Then my hands were too warm. Then this, and I was just like, but this doesn't actually have anything to do with the reason that she's saying that she's having this. If she's super particular, that is no problem. But come on. Yeah. You know, telling me that my hands are too warm (laughs) when I'm about to massage you in the middle of winter because you had a chemical peel, to me doesn't make sense because I wasn't touching your face. And then anyway, if you're that concerned, you shouldn't be lying face down on towels anyway. Yeah, so so what, so what, what was going on? Honestly, I thought, You never found the answer. I never found the answer. I just thought she was a little bit too poopy for my There's something a bit off there, right? It's something a bit off because we never offered chemicals or peels or, peels or any advanced treatments like that for the fact that we had mostly sun and it was a holiday resort and a lot of the things that people do on that resort is contraindicated to a treatment like that. Why she came on holiday, why she got a peel just before she came on a holiday like that, to this day blows my mind. And why she would then come for treatments, not be, you know, 
willing to be educated by an expert that you know this isn't actually going to affect your skin you know, think that it does but she wouldn't have it so she knew better than me apparently in that case you know but then why are you seeing the expert right it's like the the typical online um sort of phenomenon now where you know you've got these people who've been studying fields for years and um, their whole goal in life is to get every detail to a scientific sort of precision and then you know some person um two minute expert is like no you're um you're wrong with that and i'll hear nothing it's almost like belittling to the field right yeah unfortunately nowadays everybody is a so-called skincare expert which i always say is be very wary everybody thinks they know everything about skin because they read an article about collagen powder and how it's so great for you fantastic but do you know that there's different types of collagen powders geared towards different things some are for your bones and joints and some are for your skin they don't both do the same thing. It talks to different parts of your body. Now, I know this because of my expertise. And unless someone has actually gone and done the research, a lot of people think it's the same thing, but it's not. And it's yeah. like that with a lot of different ingredients and aspects of treatments. A lot of the time, you know, people do dermal cleaning treatments at home. You know, the type of blades and things like that and technique and all of that that you're using at home can be super damaging to your skin, whereas an expert knows what they're doing, they use the right tools, the equipment and the techniques in order for it to be safe for your skin. Yeah, it's an important part of your, your body and your the way you experience the world. Take care of it, folks, and listen listen to the experts, I would say. The impact of the sun, this has sort of been a recurring theme, and I think people, maybe with global warming and just more knowledge coming out there, are more aware as opposed to, you know, back in the day, your parents are on the beach, no sunscreen, <laughs> all day, and the blazing heat, not as hot as now, but, and uh, that obviously, you, you can, someone who sees the world from a different visual perspective, because you see someone's skin and your opinion and insights are very different to someone who's just seeing it from a novice sort of position, as you said. And so, why is the sun such a big problem? What's happening there? And what are sort of the visible things that sort of come out of that? So I used to be guilty of that as well when I was younger. I used to go and put on my baby oil and lie in the sun. Young and reckless. Yeah, nice and brown. Um, and then I started studying this and I realized what a big mistake I made. The thing with the sun is it can be quite harmful, especially with the massive holes in the ozone there, which, you know, we have done something to kind of alleviate that, but, you know, not enough. But the sun is pretty strong. It's pretty dangerous. And basically what our skin cells do is when we're exposed to the sun, our skin can protect itself for about two minutes. Now that's not long. Just that, hey? <laughs> you think that that's long, but it takes you more than that to close your blinds or your windows or, you know, walk into the car. No, that's it. Your skin's natural sun protection done. What do skin cells do after that is they form a sort of umbrella. And that's why you go brown, is because your skin cells are being toasted. Yeah. Now, it's the same as if you think of exactly toast. The longer you leave it in the toaster, the more burnt it's going to get. And at some point, there is no saving it. So, it's exactly the same thing with skin. Which is also why, as you get older, a lot of the damage that you've actually done to your skin is in your much younger years. And it will only show up after the ages of 30+, plus, mainly because... That is when the cell turnover becomes slower and slower. And how the, the cells actually work is they reproduce from old cells all the time. So if you can imagine we're going to clone toast, for example. 
and you're going to clone lightly brown toast for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's going to stay lightly brown. It's not going to get whiter. It's the same piece of toast, so if you had to do lightly brown toast, it will maybe get a little bit browner because yeah. it's aged a little bit, sat, sat, sat on the shelf a little bit, it's going to get harder, it's going to get browner. Now, can you imagine a piece of charcoal toast and what that's going to look like in a couple of years? It's going to be like a lump of coal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Basically, you know, as we get older, it keeps replicating from the previous cells, and every time it gets broken down, it becomes less than it was before. So that's why as we get older, we see signs of aging, we see sunspots, we see pigmentation or a different kind of dark spots or uneven skin tone. Because as we get older, it keeps repairing from those damaged cells that we damaged by being in the sun without any protection. And nowadays, it's actually become, you know, that even indoors, you know, because we're no longer using things such as incandescent lights, we're using things like LED lights, computer screens and phone screens which have a different kind of light ray that can also at a much lower rate than the sun but it can also affect the skin and cause problems. You say sort of sun care, what would you say people should use? There's you know, different products, I mean with sunblock, you know, that's the first place to look, are you buying the correct sunlight, applying it correctly, like how would you give tips to someone who's like I want to protect myself. <laughs> if you want to protect yourself, I would definitely always try and advocate for a sunscreen or a sunblock that is reef friendly. Reef friendly. Reef friendly or coral friendly. The reason why I say that is obviously I am very protective of the ocean and there's a lot of what's called coral bleaching happening. And that's basically because of the global warming that's going on, but also, you know, the amount of chemicals that there is in certain sunscreens. Although, uh, you know, you can imagine if it's busy helping destroy the coral, what is it doing to your skin? So there is definitely a lot of brands out there that um, have designed coral or reef-friendly um, products. I definitely suggest to use that because it's safe for you and for the planet. Um, when you're looking at a sunscreen for the skin, definitely look at a broad spectrum or a PA plus rating. Sunscreen... PA plus rating just means that it can also defend against visible light, things such as these blue lights, etc., that we might not be as aware of. Even in your own home, you've got to keep a certain awareness about you. Earlier you mentioned um, stress, as with a lot of things. Physical health and our mental health are quite strongly linked, and part of that physical health um, would be your skin, right? And so how do these things sort of influence each other? At the basis of a stress is a hormone. You know, it's a hormone um, and a lot of skin issues are stimulated by hormones. A stress response, if you're in a stress response for a long period of time, we all know that this is not good for our bodies internally, but obviously it shows up externally as well. In the form of either um, getting inflammation or eczema or breakouts, you know, the skin can really respond in many different ways. So stress is another one of those factors. As it is a hormone, it will have a reaction on the skin. Parents with young kids, what do they have to look out for? They're new in the world, they, they don't have the insight and uh, experience that adults do. And so at some level, they're a bit defenseless and unaware. And so, you know, even as a peer, an older peer or, you know, parent itself, you, you want to look out for people, right? We're a community to help each other. So one thing I can say is sunblock, 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 sunblock. 
if you think that you have put enough sunblock on your child, put on some more. Trust me, um, teach them that, that kids are starting with skin issues a lot younger. The, the consensus or what a lot of people feel is like, oh, they're too young to have skin treatment or they're too young to have their skin looked at. That may well be. However, if there is a problem starting, you know, with a lot more breakouts, a lot more blackheads than what we usually see at that age, go for a skin consult. You know, the therapist will tell you it's nothing to worry about or, you know, we should really look at starting to treat this. I have definitely experienced people who are a lot younger getting a lot more skin skin problems and if you can nip it in the bud, work on it when it's still a relatively small problem, it might not be a problem as big when they're getting older instead of trying to really work at it when it's at its worst. And so, you know, in our modern society, a lot of this has changed about um, things like the extent to which we see problems in our world. Allergies is a great example. We uh, have an allergy crisis. There's a massive spike in various allergies and that's to do with the fumes we're exposed to, the environments we live in, the lifestyles we live in, you know, we're a lot more sedentary and stuff. And so, you know, we're talking about kids younger and younger getting these issues, you know, what are your suspicions? And I'd be curious to know whether you think um, adults themselves even are more commonly getting skin issues. Definitely on an environmental factor, there's a lot more pollution in the air, there's a lot more stress around and also Unfortunately, the way that we eat is not as clean as what it used to be. So we're putting actually a lot more things in our bodies. And I do find that in some cases, there are also more hormones in the things that we do eat. Unfortunately, that does affect our bodies and therefore affect our skin. The future of the skin industry, where do you think that's going? I think that uh, we have a lot to look forward to, a lot of exciting things. I mean, people are coming up with the these patches that you put on the skin that indicate whether it's time to reapply your sunscreen or not, which I think is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, yeah. if, if that's something that you can you can you can start with if that we already have now, I don't even want to imagine the amazing things that are going to be out there for when we're older. Looking towards the future and how this industry can change as a whole, I do hope that you know I have seen a lot of move movement in the in the change of how things are packaged you know in our industry we now use more recyclable packaging we even use a lot of companies are now moving over to soy soy waste inks to print so that it's more friendly towards the environment and i'm really looking forward to seeing how the more advancement in technology the more benefits that we can get for skins the more affordable that we can make it in some cases it is definitely getting more affordable because now more people know about certain ingredients, know about benefits, they are finding new sources for it that can also be beneficial and that is not as expensive, you know, or they're finding ways to develop it in, in labs which is just as efficient. So I do think that there is an opening to make skincare a lot more affordable and accessible to everyone. Obviously, the new, newer the technology, the more expensive it's going to be, as with anything, but I am very excited to see where it goes in the standpoint of the advancements in the types of treatments that we have, how they work, it benefits and effects of the ingredients and how we source them, how we can make it more sustainable and affordable, as well as how, what our impact is on them. The, the skincare industry, are they doing the right things? Um, is there, you know, things like animal testing happening? Are things ethically produced? 
So nowadays there's a massive movement called uh, beauty without cruelty. A lot of uh, beauty and skincare brands are now, you know, they test on humans and not animals, which I think is absolutely fantastic because we're going to be using them on humans, we're not going to be using them on animals. Unless it's a pet shampoo, then of course they have to test on animal because we use on an animal. However, I do feel like there are still some brands and a lot of the time, unfortunately, also um, store-bought store items that are still tested on animals. I would definitely like things like that to be a lot stricter um, and really just cut out of the practice. But it is becoming more and more and more and more of a no-no to test on animals. More and more and more of a no-no to use uns unsustainable resources and unethical practices in order to actually produce these products. And is the industry creating a greater awareness of skin and um, things that we should look out for in skincare, or is it purely on the consumer to take the proactive efforts to improve their life? And I feel like there's just so many facets of this industry, it is difficult to advertise every problem that, or concern or facet of this actually, because there are little niches. Um, and there is a niche for everybody and I feel like the marketing is there and the information is out there but essentially you know we are our own little adventurers it is up to us to find what exactly we want to know about a certain industry and I think because our industry is so wide and so huge it's difficult to showcase absolutely everything of it so I do think we are as an industry as a whole uh, showcasing the more general things, which is fantastic. Yeah. I think we could do a better job of maybe showcasing the more niche things or the more problematic things instead of the more common things that come up. But as a whole, I think we're doing pretty okay. What sort of value does it add? You know, is, is all this money we're cashing in kind of worth it? Like, what do people have to look forward to uh, who've thought, okay, I've got this thing that I want to start prioritizing? Well, definitely self-confidence, for one. Um, when you are well, you know, the way that you treat pe other people is better if you're feeling better about yourself. Because a lot of the time what we do is we project how we feel about the, ourselves onto other people. So I feel like if you are kind to your clients and you give them everything that they need, and them as a client, they can grow in terms of their body doesn't hurt as much. So they can go and run that marathon that they've been wanting to run. Or they can walk that little bit extra with their dog, which we, they didn't before. Or they're not so worried about the dark circles underneath their eyes when they go out with all of their friends. Or when they are walking in sandals, they don't have to be worried about people judging them on their feet. They don't have to feel insecure about it. So I really think that more self-confidence, general well-being, a happiness within oneself and a comfortability with one's body and skin is, is really important because something like this is not just a beauty aspect, it's also an aspect of taking care of yourself, filling your own cup so that you can either give to others or you can live a better version of yourself. It doesn't help that you know, you're trying to do so many things but you've got back ache or shoulder ache. Therapeutic massage is a great answer for you, and it is an investment. You can't just have one massage and think that's going to work for you. You're going to have to have a couple. So yes, you are going to have to make an investment that way, but overall, once the treatment starts working, you're going to feel better about yourself, and it's going to help you live a better life. What, what are the most um, common sort of things people 
are tackling in this? I think as a trend, I find that people um, are more aware of their skin concerns, but they are definitely wanting more education. So, which I'm happy about because I'm always happy to teach people about things and make them more aware so that they can actually make decisions with the knowledge that they have. And it's not just, well, I told you this, so now you just have to believe me and take my word for it. You can make your own decision with the knowledge, with the information and knowledge that you have that I've given you over the X amount of time. You know, I find that there is quite a large scope of things that people are tackling at the moment. A lot of people are very into their holistic massages. But what are sort of the timelines that people sort of should look at? So if you're going for more advanced treatments, you can definitely find your timeline shifted up as well as if you're using very good skincare routine. That does create a very big investment off the bat. However, you will reach your goal a lot faster. If you're choosing a little bit more of the less advanced route, just know that it is going to take you longer to get to your goal. Um, but overall, definitely find a few things that work for you. Have a good skin consult. But make sure you go in knowing that you are going to have to do an investment. Whether it's small or big, you're going to have to do it. Um, you are definitely going to have to invest in some form of skincare. You're going to have to want to follow the advice. Because yeah. if you're going to just take the advice but not follow it, you're not going to get anywhere. And also just be very clear about the objectives that you want to achieve. All about also finding a therapist that you're comfortable with and that you're happy to work with. Because if you're not trusting of that person or you find that that person is just trying to um, sell or push things on you, then you're always going to be uncomfortable and you're always going to be doubting. And that's also, I find, a big part of it. If you're always going to be doubting and uncomfortable, it's not going to be that worth it for you. So any last things you would like to say to the listeners out there? Always wear your sunscreen, whether you're outdoors or indoors. <laughs> and reapply. <laughs> and that's about it. Brilliant. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight and perspective. Mm-hmm.